Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. With being a pastor comes a lot of responsibility. You can never be perfect, but things you say and do can either help or hurt someone's relationship with Christ. The Bible says that there comes an added responsibility when you are someone in ministry. This is one of the reasons that I can get pretty worked up when I see church leaders teaching unbiblical things or things that have nothing to do with our spiritual walk or or callings. I have no problem calling out anyone that preaches unbiblical things. If if they want to have an open and honest and, and productive conversation about it, then, then great. But too often, I see leaders using Scripture to prove their point instead of allowing Scripture to tell us what God is saying. So when I saw this article by Megan Basham in the Daily Wire, I had to bring it to you and your attention. And it says in September, Wheaton College Dean Ed Steltzer interviewed National Institutes of Health Director Francis Collins on his podcast, Church Leadership, about why Christians who want to obey Christ's command to love their neighbors should get the COVID vaccine and avoid indulging in misinformation. So... (laughs) For those not familiar with Stelzer, he's not a religious liberal arts professor, uh, and that wasn't just another dime a dozen pastorly podcast. To name just a few of his past and present titles in the evangelical world, Stelzer is also the executive director of the Billy Graham Center and the Chief uh, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Media Group. He was previously an editor at Christianity Today and an ex- executive director at Lifeway, one of the largest religious publishers in the world. That's to say nothing of the dozen-plus books on missions and church plantings that he's authored. In short, when it comes to leveraging high evangelical offices to influence everyday Christians, arguably no one is better positioned than Ed Stelzer. You you may not know his name, but if you're a church-going Protestant, it's almost guaranteed that your pastor does. Which is why when Stelzer joined a line of renowned pastors and ministry leaders lending their platforms to Obama appointee Collins, the collaboration was noteworthy. During their discussion, Collins and Seltzer were hardly shy about the fact that they were asking ministers to act as the administration's go-between with their congregants. Quote, I want to exhort pastors once again to try to use your credibility with your flock to put forward the public health measures that we know can work, unquote. This is what Collins said. Seltzer replied that he sometimes hears from ministers who don't feel comfortable preaching about COVID vaccines. And he advises them in those cases, just simply promote the jab through social media. Quote, I just tell them when you get vaccinated, 
post a picture and say, thank, so, I'm so thankful that I was able to get the vaccine, as Stelzer said. Or, quote, people need to see that it is the reasonable view, unquote. Their conversation also turned to the subject of masking children at school, with Collins noting that Christians in particular have been resistant to it. <laughs> Imagine that, right? His view was firm. Kids should be masked if they want to be in the classroom. To do anything else is to turn schools into super spreaders. Seltzer offered no pushback or follow-up questions based on views from other medical experts. He simply agreed. The most crucial question Seltzer never asked Collins, however, was why convincing church members to get vaccinated or you know, disseminating certain administration talking points should be the business of pastors at all. Stelzer efforts to, to help further the NIH's preferred coronavirus narratives went beyond simply giving Collins a softball venue to rally pastors to his cause. He ended the podcast by announcing that the Billy Graham Center, get this, would be formally partnering with the Biden administration. Together with the NIH and the CDC, it would launch a website, coronavirusandthechurch.com, to provide clergy COVID resources they could then convey to their congregations. Much earlier in the pandemic, as an editor of um, editor at Evangelism's flagship publication, Christianity Today, Seltzer had also penned essays parroting Collins's you know, arguments on conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, conspiracy theories. Among those he lambasted other believers for in- entertaining, the hypothesis that the coronavirus had leaked from a Wuhan lab. In a now-deleted essay, of course, now-deleted essay, but it was preserved on Web Archive, Stelzer chided, quote, if you want to believe that some secret lab created this as a biological weapon and now everyone is covering it up, I can't stop you, unquote. It may seem strange, given the evidence now emerging of NIH's funded gain-of-function research in, in Wuhan to hear a church leader instruct Christians to repent for the sin of discussing the plausible um, uh, the, the, pl- the plausible uh, su- supportation that the virus had escaped from a Chinese laboratory. This is essentially true, as it doesn't take any great level of spiritual discernment, just common sense, or uncommon right today, to look at the fact that COVID first emerged in a city with a virology institute that specializes in novel coronaviruses and realize it wasn't an explanation that should be set aside too easily. But it appears Seltzer was simply following Collins's lead. Only two days before Seltzer published his essay, Collins prepared, um, um, participated in a, a live stream event with him. Uh, it was uh, co-hosted by 
yes, Christianity Today, the outlet introduced him as a, quote, follower of Jesus. Get this. He was introduced, Collins was introduced as a follower of Jesus who affirms the sanctity of human life. Wow. Despite the fact that Collins is on record stating he does not definitively believe, as most pro-lifers do, that life begins at conception. And his tenure at NIH has been marked by extreme anti-life pro-LGBT policies. And more on this in, in just a moment. During the panel interview, Collins continued to insist that the lab leak theory wasn't just unlikely, but qualified for the dreaded misinformation label. (laughs) Quote, if you are trying to design a more dangerous coronavirus, he said, you would never have designed this one. So I think one can say with great confidence that in this case, the bioterrorist was nature. Humans did not make this one. Nature did, unquote. It was the same message his subordinate, Dr. Anthony Fauci, had been giving to secular news outlets, but Collins was specifically tapped to carry the message to the faithful. As Time Magazine reported in February of 2021, just a year ago, quote, while Fauci has been medicine's public face, Collins has been hitting the faith-based circuit and preaching science to the believers, unquote. The editors, writers, and reporters at Christian organizations didn't question Collins any more than the mainstream counterparts questioned Fauci. Certainly, the Gospel Coalition, a publication largely written for and by pastors, didn't probe beyond the facts Collins offered or considered any conflicts of interest the NIH director might have had before publishing several essays that cited him as almost their lone source of information. As with Christianity Today, one article by Gospel Coalition editor Joe Carter linked the reasonable hypothesis that the virus might have been human-made with wilder QAnon fantasies. It then lectured readers that spreading such ideas would damage the church's witness in the world. Of course, Seltzer and the Gospel Coalition had no way of knowing at that point that Collins and Fauci had already heard from leading U.S. and British scientists who believed the virus had indeed escaped from a Chinese lab, or that they believed it might be the product of -of gain-of-function engineering, possibly with funding from the NIH itself. Nor could they have predicted that emails between Collins and Fauci would later show the pair had a habit of turning to friendly media contacts, including, it seems, Christian media contacts, to discredit and suppress opinions they didn't like, such as questioning COVID's origins and the wisdom of masks and lockdowns. Now, what Seltzer and others did know was that one of the most powerful bureaucrats in the world was calling on evangelical leaders to be ambassadors for truth. And they were happy to answer that call. The question was, just how truthful was Collins's truth? Seltzer 
and Christianity Today and the Gospel Coalition were hardly alone in uncritically lending their sway over rank-and-file evangelicals to Collins. The list of Christian leaders who passed the NIH director their mics to to preach messages about getting jabs and wearing masks and accepting the official line on COVID is as long as it is esteemed. One of the most noteworthy was the Ethics and Religion Liberty Commission, the ERLC, an organization funded by churches of the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest uh, Protestant denomination in the U.S. While a webinar featured Collins and then ERLC head Russell Moore, largely centered again on the importance of pastors convincing church members to get vaccinated. The discussion also moved on to the topic of masks. With Moore nodding along, Collins helped uh, held up a, a basic over-the-counter square cloth. Quote, this is not a political statement, he asserted. This is not an invitation of your, or an invasion of your personal freedom. This is a life-saving medical device, unquote. Even in late 2020, the claim was highly debatable among medical experts as hematologists and oncologists uh, Vinay uh, Prasad uh, wrote in a city journal this month. Public health officials like Collins have had a truth problem over the entire course of COVID, but especially when it comes to masks. The only published cluster randomized trial of community cloth masking uh, during the COVID-19, Basad reported, found that cloth masks were no better than no mask at all. At this point, even the CDC is backing away from claims that the cloth masks are worth much of anything. Yet none of the Christian leaders platforming Collins evidently felt it was worthy to explore a second opinion. Former megachurch pastor Tim Keller's joint interview with Collins included a, a um, discretion where the pair agreed that churches like John MacArthur's, which continued to meet in person despite COVID lockdowns, represented the, quote, bad and ugly of good, bad, and ugly Christian responses to virus. During Saddleback Pastor Rick Warren's special broadcast with Collins on, of course, behalf of Health and Human Services, he mentioned that he and Collins first met when they were speakers for the billionaires and heads of state who gathered annually at Davos, Switzerland, for the World Economic Forum. They connected recently, Warren revealed, at an off-the-road meeting between Collins and key faith leaders. <laughs> Warren did not say, but one can only, you know, take an educated guess at as to who convened that meeting and for what purpose, given the striking similarities of Collins' appearance alongside all of the leading Christian lights. And once again, Warren and Collins spent their interview jointly laminating the unlovingness of Christians who question the effectiveness of masks, specifically framing it as a matter of obedience to Jesus. Can you get that? Obedience to Jesus is how it was framed. Quote, wearing a mask is the Great Commission. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. So tired of that. The best-selling author of The Purpose-Driven Life declared, before going on to specifically argue that religious leaders have an obligation to convince religious people to accept the government's narratives about COVID. Quote, let me just say a word to the priests and pastors and rabbis and other faith leaders, he said. This is our job, to deal with these conspiracy issues and things like that. One of the responsibilities of faith leaders is to tell people to trust the science. They're not going to put out a vaccine that's going to hurt people, unquote. Now, leaving aside for a moment the fact that the government does have a record of putting out vaccines that hurt people, it is truly the pastor's job, you know, it, is it the, truly the pastor's job to tell church members to trust the science? Is it a, a pastor's job to slyly insult other pastors who choose to handle shutdowns differently, as Warren did when he quipped that his, quote, ego doesn't require, unquote, him to have a live audience to speak to. And still, the list goes on. The same week, MacArthur's church was in the news for re resisting California Governor Galvin, Gavin Newsom's orders to keep houses of worship closed. Collins participated in an interview with celebrated theologian N.T. Wright. During a discussion where the NIH director once again trumpeted the efficiency and effectiveness of cloth masks. The pair warned against conspiracies, mocking, disturbing examples of churches that continued meeting because they thought, the devil can't get into my church, or Jesus is my vaccine, lest anyone wonder whether Wright experienced some pause over lending his reputation as a deep Christian thinker to Caesar's agent, the friends finished the, with a guitar duet. <laughs> Even hipster Christian publications like Relevant, uh, whose readers have likely never heard of Collins, still looked to him as the foundation of their COVID reporting. Throughout all of it, Collins brought the message to the faithful through their preachers and leaders. God is calling Christians to do the right thing, is what he would say. And none of those leaders thought to question whether Collins' right thing and God's right thing must necessarily be the same thing. Why not? As, as Warren said to Collins during their interview, he's a man you can trust. So let's look at this man that you can trust. Perhaps the evangelical elites, willingness to uh, unhesitantly credit Collins with uh, Im unimpeachable honesty has something to do with his manner, uh, rather like like uh, Mr. Rogers-like appearance and a gentle demeanor. The establishment media has compared him to The Simpsons character Ned Flanders, noting that, that he has a tendency to punctuate his soft speech with exclamations of, oh boy, and by golly. <laughs> Going to his concrete record, however, he seems like a strange ambassador to spread the government's COVID messaging 
to theologically conservative congregations. Other than his proclamations that he himself is a believer, the NIH director espoused nearly no public positions that would mark him out of any different any anything different from any extreme left-wing bureaucrat. In other words, the fruit just isn't there. He has not only defended experimentation on fetus uh, obtained by abortion, he also directed record-level spending toward it. Among the priorities, the NIH has funded under Collins a University of Pittsburgh experiment that involved grafting infant scalps onto lab rats. Yes. And as well as projects that relied on the harvested organs of aborted full-term babies. Some doctors even have charged Collins with giving money to research that required extracting kidneys and um, uteruses, bladders, and other things from living infants. He further has endorsed unrestricted funding of embryonic stem cell research. Personally, attending President Obama's signing of an executive order to reverse a previous ban on such expenditures. When Nature Magazine asked him about the Trump administration's decision to shut down the fetal uh, fetal cell research, Collins made it clear he disagreed, saying, quote, I think it's widely known that the NIH tried to protect the continued use of fetal, human fetal tissue. But ultimately, the White House decided otherwise, and we had no choice but to stand down. When it comes to pushing an agenda of racial quotas, particularly based on on skin color, Collins is a member of in good standing of the left, speaking fluently of structural racism and equity rather than equality. He he put his money, or rather the taxpayer money, where his mouth is, implementing new policies that require scientists to seek uh, scientists seeking NIH grants to pass diversity, equity, and inclusion tests in order to qualify for that money. To the most holy of progressive sacred cows, the LGBTQ orthodoxy, Collins has been a has been all too happy to genuflect, having declared himself an ally of the gay and trans movement. He went on to say that he applauds the courage of the and the resilience it takes for LGBTQ individuals to live openly and authentically and is uh, committed to listening, respecting, and supporting them as an advocate. These are not just the empty words of a hapless Christian official you know, saying what he must to survive in a hostile political atmosphere, Collins' declaration of allyship is deeply reflected in his leadership. Under his watch, the NIH launched a new initiative to specifically direct funding to sexual and gender minorities. On the ground, this has translated to awarding millions in grants to experimental transgender research on on minors, like giving opposite sex hormones to children as young as eight and mastectomies to girls as young as 13. Another project awarded $8 million 
in grants, including included um, recruiting teen boys to track their homosexual activities like condomless anal sex on an app without their parents' consent. Other than his assertions of his personal Christian faith, there is almost no public stance Collins has taken that would mark him out as as someone of like mind with the everyday believer to whom he is uh, trying to appeal. How did Collins be, uh, overcome all of this baggage to become the, the go-to expert for millions of Christians with a little help from his friends who were happy to stand at his as his character witness, I would say. Keller, Warrington, uh, Warren, Wright, and, and Stelzer all publicly lauded him as a godly brother. And when presenting Collins to Southern Baptists, Moore gushed over him as the smartest man in a book club he, he attends with, with a whole bunch of other people from the New York Times and Time Magazine and all kinds of stuff. In October, even after Collins funded the University of Pittsburgh research, uh, that, that research had become widely known, Moore continued to, to burnish his friendship's reputation, saying, I admire greatly the wisdom, expertise, and most of all, the Christian um, humility and grace of Francis Collins. That same month, Influential evangel uh, uh, evangelical pundit David French deemed Collins a national treasure and his service in the NIH faithful. Former George W. Bush speechwriter and Washington Post columnist Michael Gerson struck the most poetic tone in his effusive praise, cl claiming that Collins possesses a restless genius that in other centered and is a truth seeker in the best sense. I mean, really, <laughs> except apparently when those others are aborted infants or gender confused children. And when the truth pertains to lab leaks or gain of function funding, right? Since, um, since news began breaking months ago that Collins and Fauci intentionally used their media connections to conspire, to conspire to suppress the lab leak theory. None of the individuals or organizations in this, uh, that, that we just spoke about has corrected their record or asked Collins publicly to, you know, take back any statements. And that's unfortunate. Francis Collins has been an especially successful envoy for the Biden administration, delivering messages to a mostly Republican Christian populace who would otherwise be reluctant to hear them. In their presentation of Collins' expertise, these pastors and leaders suggested that questioning his explanations as to the origins of the virus or the effectiency you know, of, of, of masks was not simply a point of disagreement, but sinful. This was a charge likely to have a great deal of impact on churchgoers who strive to you know, live their lives in accordance with godly standards. Perhaps no other argument could have been more persuasive to this demographic. 
This does not mean these leaders necessarily knew that the information they were conveying to the broader Christian public could be false, but it does highlight the danger religious leaders face when they're willing to become mouth organs for the government. What we do now about uh, what we do know about Collins and his work with Fauci is that they have shown themselves willing to compromise transparency and truth for PR considerations. Thus, everything they have told the public about the vaccines may have been accurate and their message a worthy one for Christians, but their credibility no longer carries much weight. It would have been better to, you know, had the the evangelical establishment never performed Collins uh, or platformed Collins at all and shipwrecked their own reputations to showcase their lofty connections to him. While these evangelical leaders were warning about conspiracy theories, Collins was wagering a misinformation campaign himself. One of these Christian megaphones helped further. Why they did it is a question only they can answer. Perhaps in their eagerness to promote vaccines, they weren't willing to offer any pushback to Collins and and his claims. Certainly, the lure of respect in the halls of power has proven too too great a, a siren call for many a man. Or perhaps it was simply that their friend, the NIH director, called on them for a favor. If so, a friend like Collins deserved much, much more scrutiny. There's an instructive moment at the end of Warren's interview with Collins. The pastor misquotes Proverbs 4, saying, quote, get the facts at any price, unquote. That, of course, is not what the verse says. It says, get wisdom at any price. And it was wisdom that was severely lacking when so many pastors and ministry heads recklessly turned over their platform's influence and credibility to a government official who had done little to demonstrate he deserved them. You know, this article not only exposed what our government was trying to do, but it also exposed some church leaders for what they are. And what we see exposed is pretty disturbing. I hope this can be taken as a warning to many Christians. It doesn't matter who is preaching or teaching. You have to make sure that it is biblical. The only way you can do this is by knowing the word. And you may agree with me on that. You may disagree with me on that. Definitely love to hear from you on it. And you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.